0: Welcome to Take Brainstalk with your girl Flavela Fongang and today I'm going to fuel your brain with some bomb knowledge. Are you ready? Let's do it. Hello everybody, in this episode I had a great conversation with Ed Embera, who is the COO of EIP and Insurance Technology. Let me tell you, they share so much great jam that you're going to love from how to navigate from consultative technology, how to always stay customer centric and how to find innovation within your data and so much more. This is a very good episode to listen. Enjoy. Hello everybody, welcome back for another episode of Tech Brands Talk. I am so excited to have you back and I hope that you enjoy all the amazing episodes with amazing individuals that we've been I've been having a conversation with. And um and this one is another one that you're gonna really really like. And I think when we think about insurance, what comes to your mind to think about the struggle of having to, sh- to sort out maybe a car claim or maybe you lost your phone on a bridge. God knows what happened. And trust me, I can think about another situation where <laughs> I wish I didn't have to go for my insurance. But thank God, you know, I think that's one thing that, you know, when the agency would love to work with disruptors. People see a problem and want to help and want to do things better. And so today we're going to be talking about insurance technology, Tech. If you're not familiar with it. I have an amazing um, human, I like to say human, with me, Ed Hamburger, who's going to tell us more about insurance technology, Insurtech but also EIP. So let me tell you a bit more about Ed. So Ed is an experienced InsureTech executive and recently voted vote for inclusion into InsureTech25. So we're talking to the best, the crème de la crème, I would say. A group of InsureTech leaders who have made a significant impact on the insurance industry during 2021, which is pretty amazing. With more than 22 years of experience in the insurance industry, Ed Hamburg is the CEO of EIP at EIP Limited, should I say, a global insurtech among the top 100 companies that provide market-leading software solutions to new and existing providers of subscription, subscription-based insurance, if I can say that correctly. So we're going to be talking about insurance technology, more specifically, and how is that different from what you probably know about as a, as a consumer? And obviously the change that they are making in this space. Ed, how are you?
1: Very well, thanks, for Flavida. Very well.
0: Yeah, I think we should do something as well. We know each other, obviously. Um, And a, a disclaimer, you know, and I always like to, you know, I'm very proud of the people that I work with. And EAP is one of my favorite clients. I've been working with them for a very long time now. And it's so good to do this conversation. And I always like to bring, you know, the, the, the amazing individual behind individual behind this brand and ed is one of them so so good to have you uh, on this podcast it took us about six months to get you yeah yeah
1: <laughs> yeah a few, few rearrangements but
0: yeah sorry about that. we made it so please <laughs> about your journey i'm really curious in terms of your journey how what led you to become to become such a leader in insurance technology te- uh, technology space should i say correctly and um yeah what uh, yeah what happened tell us
1: I think well. If I talk a little bit, perhaps about my um, back, my, my journey to EIP. Perhaps I I've kind of had a s- sort of journey through. I've always been in telecom, so I started actually out. Carphone Warehouse was my initial kind of yeah, move into telco, if you like, or into retail. And I, I, after being a few years at Carphone Warehouse, I I kind of moved into their, their big insurance business in and Warehouse, and I started looking when they started expanding, I, I was helping look after a rollout across their European footprint, so places like Germany and Ireland, etc. So I was kind of spent a lot of time on the road helping set up their insurance programmes and run their insurance programmes. So that, that was my first kind of move, kind of too many years ago, um, but my first move into insurance. And after that, I moved to O2, um, where I stayed for sort of five or six years. And I was running their insurance business or their, ins- the, their mobile insurance business for five or six years. So that was good. That was a big change from car from warehouse, different type of environment. And then after that, I moved into EIP. So I've known um, a number of the people in EIP, and you'll know Ross and Denise and the team there. Um, so I moved there about 12 years ago into EIP. Again, another kind of jump The EIP was a small company when I moved from a a giant light like O two into EIP, a little bit of a leap of faith, but it felt like the right thing to do. Great kind of vision of where we wanted to be. Um, and and I've been working across there the business for the last twelve years. For the last, I think, five years as COO, um, and we've expanded quite significantly over the last two to three years. We've more than doubled the size of the team in those last few years. So, um, yeah, that's my my journey. I guess. It's
0: it's amazing, and I think that's something that you know. You, you know, I always say that sometimes you guys don't brag enough, but it's amazing to talk about 20 growth. You know, not all companies go for that. But thinking about the insurance space and not insurance technology, but insurance space, what are some of the, when you think about the challenges, and why do you believe um, you know insurance technology is so important and relevant? You know, nowadays.
1: I think I mean, probably in terms of challenges. But when when you speak to anybody about insurance, everybody sort of has a general feeling that there's, there's a lack of trust or, or kind of feeling that you're not getting value from money out of insurance and that policies are always kind of there or products are always there to to not pay out or looking at ways to, to not pay out. I think we took a look at this probably five, six years ago. Um, and we pivoted the business. We started actually as more of a consultancy business when I joined 10 odd years ago. So probably longer ago, probably five, seven years ago, we changed the business to look at more of a tax side. We could see that there's really outdated processes, very paper-based processes, processes that required agents just to make decisions on what they thought about a claim necessarily, rather than, you know, truly being terms and conditions. Did somebody shout loud enough? Did they get a different decision to those that just went along with it? So we 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 sort of turned it on its head, and rather than yeah, rather than it be kind of an insurer-led customer experience, we tried to switch that and have it to be very much a customer in the center of that um, that whole journey. So that meant things like using the data that we've got. We've got significant amounts of data, so we know how different customers tend to behave. We know what a kind of a, a good risk and not so good risk might look like, and we can create an experience around that. So the first thing we were looking about is, is simply how the customers want to interact with insurers. And they don't necessarily, some people will, but they don't necessarily wanna be putting in paper forms and phoning call centers. They want to interact online. So we, we took that process and we re-engineered it and we put everything online. So that means kind of from your whole management of your policy to enable you to claim full end-to-end you can now do by logging on, putting your password, et etc., et cetera, in and being able to fully manage end to end. So you, you don't necessarily have any need to speak to somebody. So it enables customers then to, you know, 365 days, 24 seven to actually deal with anything to do with their policy, whether it's, I want to know what I'm covered for, want to know how long I've had my policy, how much I'm paying, when's it ending or indeed I need to make a claim um, and I can do that kind of seamlessly. And uh, within probably two, three minutes, I've got a decision and I know my phone will be with me next day or whenever it happens to be, Mm. Um, rather than I phone up, I wait for a while and it probably takes me 10, 12 minutes to go through that process. So it's very much kind of switching it, make it as seamless as possible and put the customer in the middle.
0: Yes, you know we should specify that. you know, from EIP point of view, you obviously not you do not provide insurance, but because the end no. user is obviously the, what the service is for. But your client, yeah, very, yeah, yeah. Very much. <laughs> your clients are obviously the insurers, telecoms, and, and 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 so many more in that space. So looking at yeah. this from that point of view, from them um you know having doing insurance providing insurance in, in in a way was it a difficult journey for them to um to educate them and get them to change or was it more was it easier because we're talking about b2b here I th-
1: I think yeah I mean it's a bit of a change there was a few conversations around well are we gonna drive additional risk if we're not actually talking to customers are we you know just allowing them to, to go online and service but we've got, as I said, we, there's a lot of data that sits behind it. We've got different rules that will drive different questions, layered questions. Or if we need to, we'll still push a, push a claim out to to an individual a, a human being, if you like. But I don't think, I mean, if I think now, particularly over the last two years through the pandemic, actually, that the the our product's more relevant now than it ever has been because customers even more so now want service online. You'll hear a lot of the the sort of telcos, the insurers having a talk about digital first. So this is very much sort of front and centre. There are ways in which they can move that experience online and and give a great experience. It kind of helps them in a number of ways. It it reduces their cost of serving. It drives great NPS. Um, and actually, we've seen that it actually brings down the overall cost. We see claims rates. Lower of customers servicing through a claim portal than they would if they were phoning up and speaking to a to an individual as well. So there's a number of different benefits that, that our clients have seen um, that make it really relevant for them.
0: Absolutely, and I think this is exactly what you're saying that in the, you know the pandemic has uh, you know had some had silver linings, and one of them is obviously for many technology companies have you know been able to grow massively through that phase. Looking at you know the insurance tech space, what's we're talking about disruption. What are the looking at what EAP is doing? So what are the disruption that you have in the pipeline or you're really making?
1: I think I mean we, we we're constantly looking. so so I think I would say that at the moment where we're at, we we've got a lot of sort of competitors as as such looking at what we've done and, and catching up. So we're now looking at the next thing, we're looking at sort of parametric type insurance avenues. Um, and one thing that we're looking at is there's an initial uh, product that we've got called AutoClaim, which is just looking at, so rather than actually having to take out a- any action really, or many steps, if you're making a claim, we can use the technology within your device, accelerometers, etc., to to understand when you've dropped your phone, at what speed you've dropped your phone, and the, how the phone's bouncing once it's dropped to To enable us to understand, do you, is it likely you're going to need to make a claim? So we can automatically trigger a claim process that says, you know, if we know that you've dropped your phone at a certain certain speed, that that's a good possibility you've busted your screen, and we can in the background create a sort of draft claim. We don't need to ask you any questions about that. We know the technology, the device is telling us that information. And we can ping that customer message to say, well, you know, do you need to make a claim essentially? And if they do need to make a claim at that point, it's just a yes, I need to make a claim. And the next question is, where do you need us to pick the phone up? Or where do you you know how however we decide to, to service, but it generally be, is this the address we're picking your phone up to do the repair? So make we we're looking at ways to even shortcut, as I said, the, the probably three minutes that we've got at the moment online. How do we make that even quicker, even smoother, um, and take any of the friction out of the journey? So it's things like that that we're looking at, as far as I'm aware, <laughs> is looking at this stuff.
0: It's right, Ed, because I think everybody, when we think about technology, and, and I say the purpose of technology is to provide better convenience. So co- convenience means it was removing any fric- uh, friction, should I say correctly? And and just the time, I think that's really the <laughs> biggest issue with insurance claim is mm-hmm. The time it takes and that's definitely two of the winners, you know, moving friction and and looking at time. I want to say yeah. something, Congratulations. You want to say something, Ed?
1: No, I was just gonna say just that, that as I said that 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 paramount that, that that's where I see that sort of the next step. That's where we see the next step as I said looking at where the friction is in the journey. We'll we'll constantly be looking at this and looking at ways that we can you know make, make things easier for customers. Um, but at the same time having the appropriate information and data and ena- enable us to back that and then make sure we don't do something that then burns an insurer or burns a scheme. We're doing it in a way that's kind of very considered and there's a proper case behind it.
0: Absolutely. Do you know what I'm listening to you now, and I realise, and that's what comes always across from successful companies and they, they're heavily always innovating by listening and looking at the data and quite yeah. often, where innovation dies is when they just, things that they don't take the time to evaluate the presence and continuously behavior, 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 behavior. And as it says, looking at the data, understanding it, and then how can we always remove or reduce friction? That's, That's what makes a great company.
1: Yeah, you know, in a really basic way, if you think about how claims journeys, again, used to be, it would be everybody goes through paper-based or a telephone conversation, they'll go through the same questioning and that, that that process or that journey was dealt to deal with probably the 5% or something of customers that potentially might defraud you. And the whole journey was about, built around how do, you, how do you try to weed out that sort of small percentage of customers that might try and defraud you rather than deal with the 90, 95% that, you know, good customers and you don't want to put them through a complex journey you don't you know that somebody some like i don't know uh, somebody young that lives in in london is going to have a different profile than somebody that's you know 70 year, years old and lives in in devon or something you, you know that your data tells you that so you can kind of construct your your rules and how you manage those claims accordingly
0: that's amazing do you know it's funny because uh, as i'm listening to you talk uh, there may be some in looking at the, the company culture, but also looking at some of the roles that you, you have in the, in the business, one, you know, that, that mindset around you know, being driven by innovation and you know, cons, cons, consumer excellence. Because It's interesting because of the, from an EIP point of view, your customer is not actually the end user, but you have to send the end user to be able to sell services to the providers of telephones you know, and, and, or insurance, te- te- um, telephony, and so forth. How are you dealing with these two this, with, with this 360 or triangle relationship it must be uh it must be very complex
1: yeah i mean it's complex but we kind of i think when we talk to them i mean we've got a lot of experience with our business like probably more than i'd like to talk about it makes me sound very uh, really old um but we've got a lot of experience in the business that have also worked in the the telcos the retailers the insurers we've been there and so we understand how how they look at customers, how where their pinch points are. So we can talk to them, you know, in a way that a lot of people can't talk to people in, in those industries because we've been there. Um And as I said, lots of them are moving. They're, they're moving in the same direction. They have the thought same thoughts, I guess. Once we've talked to them about it, that's the journey they want to go on. We're just helping them try to get there a little bit quicker. And we're providing that kind of, our view our insight our product kind of roadmap that helps them drive revenue growth all the things that you'd expect them to be looking at we we truly believe that what we're doing enables them to get their goals and meet their goals much quicker there's nothing we there's nothing we do i don't believe that any insurer or retail or telco would say that that's not great that's not that's not a, a different way of looking at things that that that's not right because we're always putting a said customer in the center of that and looking at making improvements whilst improving their bottom line. So that's very much the core of our thinking.
0: I love that. I love that. You know it's, I I was saying early on congratulations, <laughs> because <of> the, <laughs> among the top twenty-five you know uh, leaders in Introtech which is a which is a pretty amazing if you think about it. I don't know how you say it, but I would say that to everybody if it was me. (laughs) But, you know, looking at the future of insurance technology, what do you predict?
1: I think, I mean, you'll hear a lot of people talking about embedded insurance um, using, you know, Tesla, a good example where, you know, by a Tesla car, they know how you're moving around. They know how you drive, etc. So they'll embed insurance into their kind of offer. There's various things like that. We're seeing a lot of the, you know, number of the telco companies as well. If they're looking to, you know, how they're differentiating, insurance is a great way of differentiating. You're bundling in, including insurance into your offer, then it's a complete peace of mind type offer offer that you're giving those customers. You know, nowadays, if you think about how you use your device, it's you run your life through it, and and if you're without it for any period of time, you're probably what you do, your calendar's gone, everything's gone, isn't it? So if you think about embedding insurance that that's that that's the way I sort of see things moving um and you know we as a business aren't just kind of wedded to telco or mobile insurance we 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 believe our platform enables you to move in a number of different areas, whether it's you know again, you think about broadband providers, they should be bundling in cyber protection. That these things and our platform can sit behind that as well so it's built in a way that it's you know not not just one one vertical we can move across different verticals as well providing the same sort of as long as that you know same sort of insight same sort of expertise in that
0: absolutely as I said like you know <laughs> this is you know the, the biggest issues is was time with um that when I hear startups talking that you know they have technology that can do so much so many things but always good to start with a big focus on one niche and then you yeah. go and that's where success is made
1: yeah absolutely that's and, and that's you know to be honest that's where a lot of our our history has been and that's kind of where we've uh, i believe executed well we we know the industry really well so we've been able to build a product around that that's kind of really checked you know ch- change things and um it's now just looking at you know we we know again lots of telcos looking at lots of different areas and we want to be kind of and we believe we can be in the middle of that and help with the same that same journey moving from maybe something mediocre from a customer experience to an excellent customer experience. Always looking forward to for Villa, I think is. It's
0: very important, you know, always yeah. looking forward.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we we kind of, as I said earlier on, are very very conscious. We could sit and say great we've we've done a good job we've got some you know big blue chip clients and we can pat ourselves on the back but that's not the organization we work in it's kind of that's great but where where are we going next what can we change because it will be a kind of constantly evolving constantly developing our product
0: to make even better than it is at the moment it's amazing it's amazing I could talk to to Ed forever but this is is the end of the first part of this podcast we'll be back in a minute
1: you are listening to Tech Brains Talk a conversation on the strategy of becoming a remarkable individual and creating iconic tech brands your host is Flavilla von Gang author, speaker and founder of Three Colors Rule a creative branding and marketing agency for tech companies for more information go to threecolorsrule.com if you found this podcast helpful Please help us by telling your friends and rating us a five stars on iTunes. Thank you. Now, back to where we left it off.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to part two. Part one has been really full of great insights. I don't know if you've been taking notes, but I've been taking notes for you because it's been so great. How do you move from a consultancy to a technology company? And again, it comes back to really what is at the center of your decision? Are you driven by cus- by customer and d- d- providing moving friction, but also providing excellence and providing convenience? Are you able to understand the evolution of the market? You know, are you an expert in your field? I've seen so many times companies or tech companies who launch businesses who have no understanding of the industry and you know, you're most likely to fail. So having experts already in that same space makes it so much easier to move to technology. I've taken so many notes because you shared so many great insights. Ed was fantastic. And I really wanted to think, you know, especially for all the tech companies who are selling B2B, where the end user is not their first point of interaction, make sure that always gathering information from data because within those data, that's where innovation resides. And that's so, so key, I think. And again, something, you know, where is, are you able to lead the future of your industry? It means that you're always looking ahead. And I think Ed give us so much and i really and as you know as every time i always say to all my listeners listen to every episode twice this is probably one that you only listen three times <laughs> so ed we're talking offline and we're saying that one thing that has been you know when we look at growth and you know you've done phenomenally well at you know eip and obviously there's so much more can be accomplished and it's also looking at i think that's what really fascinates me is that it's also looking at what the clients is doing and how can you enable their growth which also enable your own growth. Did you, did you, can you tell us more about that? Because I think that was such a great point we were saying.
1: Yeah, I think um I think we want well we should be we're working with clients that they clearly have a kind of roadmap and a vision as to where they want to get to. Um and we believe that we can we're very much the partner that can help them get there, that we want them to work with us. So we want them to see that we're constantly looking ahead at the next kind of evolution and coming to them with different concepts that help them achieve their targets and and sometimes you know the the, the people that we're working with they're not necessarily experts in this field they quite often are kind of if, if it's in a say a telco this may even be just part of another another role that they've got so we can come in and talk to them about things that they need kind of razor sharp focus on and also as i said looking Looking ahead, what do we genuinely think is going to be that next step to help them move ahead of competition? And if it's things like, as I said, embedded insurance, things like this, then actually it's not just about then revenue that they get from from insurance itself. Potentially, it's also well, can they drive additional sales, additional device sales, etc. from 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 differentiation.
0: And it's good. I think that if you understand your client's vision, then you can think ahead. How can you, put, you know, maintain longevity in supporting them? And I love what you say because it's very aligned with what the big fours always do. You know, Deloitte, you know, um, PwC. They are. <laughs> someone saying the, in in a the podcast I heard them say they are like leeches. It's like what? It's like yeah, they, they embed themselves so much within the business that it's really hard to look anywhere else. And so it's very clever. And I think a lot of businesses don't think that because if you understand the full vision of, that, of the client that you serve, then you can figure out in terms of what's going to be a thing they're going to need next, and you can help them, you know, support them along the way.
1: Yeah, and I think on that, actually, for a good point, because we, we, we've got long-standing relationships with a lot of our clients. We, we, we almost are, we are part of their team, and we're seen as part of the team, we're very much pulling in the same direction, or we'll help, we'll try and help. And pull them in the right direction as well or in the direction they want to go so part of you know our our success i would say is also building really strong relationships with our clients over time that they do see us as part of the time the team they do see that what we're doing is is beneficial it's kind of helping them as i said meet their kind of goals so it's kind of a win-win that they'll fall back on the not just me we've got some really smart people in the team they'll be falling back to our team about you know how do we do this they'll be looking for advice and, and and it's genuinely kind of we're looking to help them because if we're helping them hit their goals then you know that keeps us kind of in in that position and it helps us as a business as well because if they're growing then we grow as well
0: 100 percent, 100 you know but obviously the tech companies or only cmos or are- People who are working in insurance technology right now, listening to this episode, what advice would you say that makes a great CEO? CEO someone like you? <laughs> <I guess it's laughs> you. You
1: you keep on saying that. that I'll have i have people in our business like shaking their head, obviously. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, look, I, I think it's probably with, without probably repeating what other people would say on this. I I generally think it's part of it is recruiting wisely have people you trust. We, As I said, we, we've we got people that, certainly myself, Ross, Bernice, the, our team, our core, our management team, we've known for a long time. We've brought them into the business over time. So we really kind of know, we trust them, and they can grow with the company, and they have grown with the company. So for me, that's probably the number one thing. Get your recruitment right and bring people in that you can trust um, and help you in that role. And don't be worried that, you know anybody in our business will tell you that I'm not a real kind of techie. We bring people into the business that help that, and we kind of help form you know how we then drive the business and, and and the right things to do with the business. but it's bringing those those people in things like as I said just a minute ago, building great relationships with our customers, being really open with our the people in our business as well. So, whereas we're, we're as open and honest with our employees, we we run you know monthly sessions with everybody to talk about you know we we talk to them about our mission and our goals, and then we talk to them about how we're delivering and how we're achieving that. And throughout the year, we talk to them about where we are against those those goals. So it's a really open environment. We've got very much open door. anybody in the business can talk to any anybody. There's no we, we haven't got lots of red tape that says the most junior person can't speak to the CEO or whoever. It's very much an open door and we really encourage that and that helps. It's really important, I think. And then I think the other things that are just, you know, we, we have a plan, but we're always revisiting that plan. As you know, in our work together, <laughs> um, revisiting just to, to make sure it's still relevant it's still going to be what drives us to our kind of five-year vision um so i think it's things like that really listening as well i think making sure that we've got our ear to the ground um we know where we're going as a business but we've also want to keep our ear to the ground around what what else is happening in this industry are there things that are happening that we think that's that's smart there's a slant on that that we could essentially look at as well. So it's always just as with anybody in this environment, it's kind of just let's let's make sure we we're staying ahead of the game as much as we possibly can.
0: Yes, absolutely, because the rest of the top never never stop, which is uh beautiful. I love that. I think it's so important. Culture is everything. And I think uh, the biggest issue for any tech company or in any tech company is, is talent attraction. And even the Google, even the Amazon, even the Apple struggle. Because it's really, really hard, and if you can create a great culture, people want to be part of. I think that's what it is, and and, and I'm like you as well. Yeah, people people feeling so valued they like, and want to be part of it. And they want to put so much passion into their work, and it's so key.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think that's probably the last thing I would say actually just on that is we. I'm quite passionate about trying not to waste time on small things, like think about the, the bigger picture and, and make sure that we've got people in our business that they're being asked to look at something which isn't driving our kind of goals our strategy then they should be challenging as well so let's let's make sure we we always keep focus on the bigger bigger picture and then prioritize accordingly rather than do lots of little things that don't really kind of help us in our bigger bigger mission if you like
0: Mm -hmm. is there something that you wish you knew sooner in your career
1: The, the don't waste time on the small things Yes. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. 100. I think there are things that you learn on there that you you can spend as a business as well, and individually and as a business, you you can. Yeah, it's very easy just to spend a day and wonder how that day has gone because you've not achieved anything. So again, I, I challenge just simple things like challenging our team to say, you know, it's very easy, and and our business is very sort of remote business. We're we're kind of all over the place. And it's very easy to get sucked into a day that's full of Teams calls, full of Zoom calls, and you end up being on those calls and wondering why you're on those calls. So we've very much got a, you know, what's what's the agenda? What's the purpose? Are you needed on that call? And if the answer if you don't know, if if those three things aren't there, then I tell people to not attend those calls, cancel them, ask, ask why they need to be on the call because you're then trying to get that time back. Uh, and be more efficient with your time so that's what i mean like a little bit of the don't waste don't just be on a call just to listen if you're simply not needed just make sure everybody makes the most of their um their time of day because everybody's when when you're growing quickly as a business you haven't got two hours three hours in your day just to to waste on,
0: mm. yeah,
1: on, on nothing
0: absolutely you have to be focused on solution and not problems and really, just moving, and that's so key. And you know, that's what was the, makes a great CEO is like make sure that people know what they're doing, and if they're in the right one, because we only have twenty four hours in a day, and it was seven hours <laughs> in working. Yeah. Work. yeah,
1: yeah, and it's what it's kind of have balance as well, isn't it? Part of the cultural thing is just making sure you know we are busy as a business, but we also don't want burning <laughs> to burn people out. So it's also very much, you know, we want people to be. Taking breaks in, in their day to get some headspace as well. That's really important to me as well. That you know you, you create that time that you can break your day up because then you're more productive in your day as well.
0: Yes, you're giving us so much so much gem honestly. From understanding you know how to always be customer centric, even if you are B two B and you're not necessarily selling to the end user. The power is is understanding your data and how using that data to always serve your customer but also, um, you know, innovate and also being attaching whoever you serve, you know, knowing that you work with companies such as Vodafone understanding their vision and how you can continuously align to them and embed yourself when it's possible within, within their activities. So it's hard to get yeah. to, look, to look somewhere else. And I think that's so key. Competition is here. So obviously having clarity around where you want to go and that vision helps everybody align to where they want to go. I've taken so much and it was the culture. I'm so strong on culture, company culture, and it was who you choose to hire. But also, when they are hired, do they feel that they can be fully themselves? Can they grow? Can they contribute? And there's no blocker between the access to the CEO, to you, or anybody else, no matter where they are in the business. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely.
0: Is there anything else that you give us so much gems? Anything else you would like to share? I think that I've I've managed to extract so much out of you in less than (laughs) 30 minutes.
1: No, I mean, I, I, I think it's been good. I think, uh, yeah, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed the chat. So,
0: yeah, me too. I have my last question. This is my first yeah. question. And uh, when you think about your legacy, how would you like to be remembered?
1: I think part of a, yeah, part of a business that that's truly kind of changed the, this industry. I'd like to kind of be seen of that, and actually within our business, somebody that generally can be trusted and and has helped people grow and take their own paths as well. I kind of, you know, that's important to me internally as well.
0: Very important. I love that. Love that. Ed, you've been fantastic. It was such a pleasure to have you. And I'm sure a lot of people will come, maybe want to uh, discover more about you and what EAP is doing. What's the best way to reach out and find out more about EAP and also what about you?
1: I think about me, probably just through LinkedIn, you can, I, I've got quite an unusual, name so um yeah my search me up on ed Hembro on linkedin you'll you'll find me there and our on our company is on our website so eip.tech
0: thank you so much ed i really appreciate the time we spent together it was very very insightful and again to all my listeners listening around the world this was a great episode i always say listen to it twice but i really recommend to listen to this one three times if you're at the beginning of your creating your startup, or you're already there, or if you're an insurance company, or you're in the telecom industry, really, really have a look at what EAP is doing. And uh, I'm really proud of working with them, and I'm really proud of what they're trying to achieve. Yes, game changers, people who actually providing great technology that actually make a big difference, and that's what it's all about. Everybody, I will see you guys, and bye.